0: Yo, what's up? It's your boy Kaz here back with the Say Less Podcast. Today's episode's really cool, man. Obviously, with everything going on in the world and, uh, you know, the coronavirus shutting down every single sporting event for the foreseeable future. The one sporting event that have been uh on and popping has been eSports. And uh, my guest today, Aaron Ashley Simon, is one of the reigning rising uh voices in esports. You can catch her on uh cheddar. Uh you can also catch her on her own podcast, the Grassroots Podcast. But she's done some awesome stuff with people like Offset Dre Ferrara, the NBA two K League, and even in her past, you know, she's worked with Revolt T V, did some really cool stuff uh with her own blog when she was found AU basketball. Very well rounded. Somebody who I truly believe is going to be uh you know someone who Really comes out of this whole era that we're in much more widely recognized because of the unique position she's in about covering esports. So if you ever want to learn more about the economics of esports, the professional leagues, uh, why celebrities get involved in it, investors, uh, professional leagues, man, she is the girl to listen to so um i won't take too much time this is a fun episode if you're on the sticks uh you can hit me up on xbox live real life Cas one i will smoke you in some 2k but until then emilio hit the motherfucking music Alright, now joining me today on the Say Less podcast is somebody I've admired from afar for a long time and seeing her rise as, in my opinion, one of the reigning queens of esports and media, Erin Ashley Simon is joining us on the show. How you doing, Erin?
1: I'm doing fairly well, you know. Uh, been cooped up, have barely been outside, but so far I'm uh,
0: doing all right. <laughs> yeah, man, it's 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 fun, weird times, man. Right I don't want to say fun, but it's definitely different times right now. But I mean, for yourself, I kind of feel like it's almost like business as usual. Am I wrong?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been an interesting transition. I mean, I, I know we're definitely going to get into it more later on, but uh, everything with eSports and gaming and even the media side of it has gone all digital and virtual. Uh, so it's been interesting to see how even the work that I do is, is, is transitioning into this new, I went, well, I wouldn't say new space, but like new space for a lot of people
0: yeah I mean Erin I've, I've, I've watched you for a long time like Erin's one of those people where it's like you know we've always kind of like ran in the same circles but you just kind of always been aware of each other and she's been somebody that's just been killing it as of late as far as uh, being on Cheddar and just doing incredible esports content doing content on your own Instagram just um, for people who may not be familiar like I would love to just know how you even just got started in media in the first place I feel like a lot of people that listen to the show are folks that kind of want to get into the business especially now where you know we don't really know where opportunities are going to be headed at so I would just love for you to kind of share how you got your start
1: yeah of course um so it's it it still blows my mind even when I say this today um I've been in the media industry for 10 years and I'm I know I'm going on 28 um funny enough uh I started around the same time as the blog era. So I created my own website and blog called uh, box of mess when I was 16 years old. Um, and, uh, I started covering AAU basketball at that time. And, you know, I was interviewing people like Kyrie, you know, the likes of like Kyrie Irving doing stuff with, with people like him with, uh, Michael kid Gilchrist and, and all of these, um, players that we 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 currently see in the league or we grew up watching in you know in current times and because you know of course I because I was a young lady you know I can say that there's you know I'm sure some of the young gentlemen were uh, attracted me in some capacity so it, it did help in that way but <laughs> right um they did give me information pertaining to what colleges that they were looking at and they gave me a lot of information earlier than Um, some of the other sports websites. So it got to the point where I was getting over a million views and people from ESPN, CBS, Sports, and Fox Sports were were looking at my blog for content within that space. Uh, And so that was like my beginnings. From there, I eventually, you know, I got a lot of mentors in the space. Um, One of my mentors for a very long time is is Mike Hill, um, who's done work for ESPN, Fox Sports. Uh, In college, Jamel Hill mentored me a little bit. Um, I also have uh, one of the co-founders of Dye Magazine, Josh Gotthelf, has been mentoring me since I was like 17 years old. And and during that journey, they, they guided me to uh, basically help me with understanding, you know, how to do business, how to do journalism, how to build a certain skill sets. From there, um, when I was at the University of Kentucky and I was a soccer player over there, during the offseason, I would cover, of course, our basketball team and did work. Um, for our team, and um, I was doing work during our championship year over there, so um, that was a tremendous thing, and I gained a lot of, of, of relationships uh, within sports from there as well as previous work, and um, eventually towards the end of college, I did work for Dow Jones and the Wall Street Journal, um, eventually did freelance work for the Wall Street Journal, and uh, my mentors uh, during that time suggested that I that I move into another area of media considering that print and digital Um, was getting hit pretty hard. It was like towards the beginning of that. Um, From there, I worked for uh, Revolt TV where I was part of the social digital team and then eventually was producing for the actual TV network and uh, moved on eventually to another company uh, where I was part of the content development um, and content strategy team and developed this series called Inner Circle Uh, By the second episode, we were getting well over like 2 million views. I think Angela Rye was our second episode, which was super awesome Mm -hmm. um, to do and and to see. Uh, And then, you know, uh, lo and behold, 2018, got laid off, had hip surgery, wanted to make a career change. And that's how I eventually got into covering esports and gaming, covered the NBA 2K League, um, started hosting their, their, their Twitch show. And then from there, I ended up at Cheddar Esports, and then from Cheddar Esports, I've been just building so many different relationships across the esports and gaming industry. Everyone from higher-ups at Riot Games to pro players to top streamers, um, and have been basically building a lane uh, for myself within the intersection of culture, esports, and gaming. I felt like there was a void there. I also felt like there was a void in terms of telling the appropriate stories or narratives or perspectives of those who are um, LGBTQ plus, Black, Latin. Um, because sometimes when people look at the gaming world or esports world, they just assume it's just a bunch of white men or Asians. Um, but it's so much more than that. So I really try to highlight that in the work that I do. So. Uh, I hope I hope that was like a good condensed 10 year. (laughs) There's there's definitely a lot that I've done thinking about it now. But I was like, all right, let me try and answer as quickly as possible.
0: Oh, no, you you, you hit the nail right on the head, man. And uh, just following your career, I've always just looked at you as somebody who was a hustler and just always found ways to make your voice stand out in like a super crowded uh, media landscape. And especially for yourself, man, like you check off so many boxes where, like, you're a woman of color. First off, you're a woman. You're a woman of color. You represent for LBGTQ and all these things, you know, like, especially when it comes to eSports. It seems like when it comes to that audience, it it may not, you you might feel like it might not be as welcoming, but with Mm -hmm. you and your success, it had to be a little bit different. So what have been your experiences being somebody who was just so unique in the in the public eye when it comes to covering uh eSports.
1: Well I think that it's been it's been really interesting. those within the community self have been super supportive um, I haven't had any negative experience since entering in terms of covering esports from a media perspective. Uh, everyone has been super, super helpful because, you know, the esports landscape is vast, right? The same way that traditional sports, right? You have the NBA, you have the NFL, you have MLB, and even within those sports, they have their own nuances, their own top players, their unique formats. The same thing with esports. So going in, people didn't expect me to know everything about every single league, you know? And even now I'm continuing to learn more and more because it's it's, as part of Taylor Esports, it's my responsibility to cover as many um aspects of esports and gaming as I can. So I had so many people from different communities that actively engaged with me, reached out. They saw that I was actively attending events, doing my research, and all that stuff. Um and, and you know, I've always been a gamer. I've been I've been playing video games all my life. I remember the first video game I played was Sonic the Hedgehog on Sega Genesis, and so uh, that was an easy transition for me, but understanding certain things within the esports community and some of the communities I was more new to than others, um, it was so important for me to take that time to learn. And I had so many amazing people helping with that. Um, you know, of course, starting out, you know, there were certain 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 communities still have their toxicity issues. Uh, I mean, but that's across gaming and esports, especially when it comes to online game uh, gameplay. You know, with me. You know, I am. I guess if you want to categorize me, even though I don't like being put in a box, but if you like to have <laughs> some sort of category, um, I'm, a, I'm a, a femme tomboy. And so, with that, I, you know, I got criticized on my looks, and people were like, oh, she's definitely a lesbian. I mean, even though, you know, I am by myself, I just don't, for me, it's like there's no one look to how a gamer looks like, you know, and, and even during this time, it's been interesting to see because so many people are letting it be known that they like to game. And before, like if you said that you like playing video games, especially as a woman, people thought there was something wrong with you, right? Um, and so I've had a great experience in terms of that. And even when like I revealed that personal information in terms of my orientation, um, I felt like it was so important for me to do that. Because like you said, I check off all these boxes. I have so many people that um, Interacting with me from higher-ups and, and content. And I felt like it's important, especially to have representation. And so for me, you know, that's why I revealed that information recently. I'm a very private person, um, but, you know, one of my family members uh, recently came out and was struggling with that. And I felt like it was important for me to be a good role model for, for you know, Latin kids, black kids, LGBTQ plus kids, and just everyone in this space um, so I recently put out that that post, letting people know, um, because I thought it was such an important time to do that right now, and with the position that I'm in, um, with the influence and just the relationships I have, it's it's so important. So um, it's been it's been it's been great in certain aspects, but then of course I've been heavily criticized, you know, I still have people coming into our show who are calling me the N-word, you know, people uh, calling me out saying, oh my gosh, like, why is this gay person on here? Did it? Like, wow. I still deal with that craziness, right? But you know what? I, uh, this is something that I always thought to myself, and, and I look up to this athlete, Serena Williams. Serena Williams is one of the greatest athletes of all time. And I'm not even saying women athletes. Athletes, period. She's one of the greatest of all time. Facts. And even she, even, even she still gets slack. And she still gets issues with the tennis community and people. And listen, it's borderline racism what some of those people are doing. And so um, if she's able to, to still overcome it to make the path easier for some of the black players that we've already seen come into this space, you know, I myself have no problem you know, dealing with some of those things because I, I know that it's going to help to make the process easier for everyone else that's coming after me. Someone has to do it. Um, so that's why I have I, I have no problem dealing with those things. And, and, you know, I still do therapy. I still handle it in the way that I need to handle it. Um, but it's so crucial to have these appropriate representations and narr- narratives and storylines, especially considering so many people are looking at the esports gaming space right now or trying to get involved with it right now because it's the only thing that's really still actively alive in a, in a big capacity. Um, so that's why, you know, my experience has been both great, but then, you know, there's obstacles, but I mean, there's obstacles with, with anything in life and especially being a minority, you're going to always have obstacles in life
0: absolutely man and and obviously you know you mentioned it earlier before and uh, we'll touch on a little bit about uh, everything going to esports right now with, with how crazy the world is in a little bit but you mentioned something about you know the importance of mentorship and having people you know that have broken the doors in for you um, kind of you know watch your back and you know let you know to avoid the pitfalls so for people who may be listening to this um, what was the best advice you've gotten from one of your mentors when it's come to uh, you know breaking into the media industry
1: i think the one of the best advices that i've had was um i had um my professor my former professor delano uh macy he uh taught a journalism class and i was you know we had to write articles and stuff like that and and even when i interned for the local newspaper which he was working at I realized at a certain point that he was harder on me and was grading my work harder um, than some other people in the class, and I was like, "Why? What on earth? Like, what is he doing?" Right? And um, and he's he was one of the the very few black professors that I had at the university, and so eventually I went up to him and I was like, "Yo, why are you being so hard?" You know, me being a, a very blunt individual, I just straight up asked him, "Like, why are you being so hard on me and like that? Like, I, I don't see you putting the same on other people." And uh, till this day, I still remember it. And, and he straight up told me, he was like, listen, he was like, the reason why I'm hard on you is because I believe in you. And also the reason I'm being extra hard on you is because life in this industry is going to be extra hard on you. He's like, you already essentially, he's like, you already have two strikes against you. You're a woman and you're black and, and Latin in this industry. So you're going to have to work 150, maybe 200 times harder than some of your counterparts. And and he was like, and so because of that, because of the experience I went through and because of of just of what he knows about this industry, he was like, I'm going to always be harder on you because when you graduate, everyone else is going to be harder on you. And you have less opportunity to fail than other people. And that was something that really stuck with me. You know, my mom used to always say you have to work harder than everyone else. But just to, to have a professor who literally was being super hard on me. It honestly helped me become a better journalist. And then literally by the end of his class, I was one of the best students that he had. Um, And and it, it showed that like, even when you think you're working hard, there's still room to improve. And there's still areas that you can work harder on and you can't let up. Um, you know, life is not going to let up on you. There are going to be certain people that are not going to let up on you. And they're going to judge you and make it harder for you, whether because of the color of your skin or how you present yourself. And so because of that, that stuck with me. So that's why even moving forward, no matter what obstacles people place in front of me, you know, I've had people that told me, you know, there were companies that literally told you know my manager or they told my or told my agents or just even I found out that literally they were like oh Aaron doesn't fit the mold what basically it means is like i don't i don't look like an instagram model right, right. and that's and that's or not you're not
0: white, white. <laughs> yeah
1: or or not that or, or not blonde hair right well kind of am now well but, naturally you know, naturally, blonde, naturally, blonde, naturally blonde. Yeah. but um but yeah i had those i had people you know throughout my career try to stop me in so many different ways and just that lesson i learned from my professor helped me push through and and get to where i am now you know i i'm i'm an aries so i'm stubborn i can admit that oh yeah, so your birthday is pretty like, soon huh yeah yeah Ugh, unfortunately on tax day so oh gee that. that's <laughs> rough
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be a little bit rougher getting them w-9s back <laughs> oh my god you, who you telling? Um, but, oh, I um, know, I know. I got a, lot, I, I did a shit ton of freelance this year, so boy, not looking um, forward to it.
1: Oh my god, neither am I. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like that lesson just has stuck with me so much, and that's a lesson that everyone told me. You know, even when Jamel was mentoring me during college, she even said the same thing. She's like, "You have very little room to for errors." Um, might kill the same thing. Every mentor I've had, they're like you're going to have to put in extra work. So that's something that stuck with me throughout my, my entire experience, and it's still something that sticks with me today.
0: Now, uh, jumping into today's crazy world, I mean, the not just – The world of sports, but the world everywhere seems to have come to a complete stop, uh, when it comes to entertainment, when it comes to everything because of the coronavirus and, and COVID-19. Everything except esports. And, you know, if everything, uh, that is going on in the world, um, esports seems to be more on the rise than ever. And if you listen to anybody that knew anything about A billionaire company or any sort of way that the market was going. Everybody said that esports was the future. And I guess we're all kind of seeing in real time why that was. Because as long as you have an internet connection and a controller... You have you can get some competition in, and now we're seeing NBA players get into it and actors and athletes because it's literally the only show in town. So mm-hmm. speaking as somebody with a unique uh, perspective on the eSports world, what are your thoughts on the current landscape of professional athletes uh, running eSports leagues and joining eSports organizations? Well,
1: the cool thing is that there have been – Uh, pro players that have already integrated themselves into esports and and the gaming world, right? We have Myers Leonard, who um, invested within FaZe Clan. You even have Josh Hart. You know, it's been interesting because we're seeing players that, from the NBA standpoint, some these players and some of these players aren't, quote-unquote, the stars of the league in the sense of, like, they get the most attention during traditional basketball season, right? But they're becoming the star faces within that Traditional sports and NBA crossover into esports and gaming. Right now, FaZe Clan is doing stuff with like Myers, Leonard, Josh Hart. Uh, we've even seen, um, you know, even from the NFL perspective or, or football perspective, we've seen people like Braxton Miller getting involved. Uh, Ariel, uh, uh, we, we got Ariel from the WNBA, Ariel Powers, who's now becoming like the leading gaming face for the WNBA there's so many different people that from traditional sports that did not receive that extensive star exposure are now becoming the stars of that crossover, which is so cool to see. Um, And I think that like athletes traditionally are gamers, you know, even though I wasn't pro uh, the reason why I got into gaming so much is because I was either playing soccer at a high competitive level. um, And that was something that like, you're either training or you're staying home playing video games because everyone else was going to Cancun and all this other stuff. You couldn't do that, right? Um, or you just couldn't do that from a financial standpoint. And so right now we're seeing so many athletes they are doing that. And then also with the with traditional sports leagues, we're starting to see them implement esports and gaming content. Now, the most important thing, though, is that everyone who's getting involved, it's so important that they understand that if you're going to be doing these streams and all this stuff, of course, for your own brand, that's cool. But if you're trying to do something a little more extensive or work with other companies, individuals make sure you actually get people from the eSports and gaming community involved because it's so important. Like, think about it. All these, all these people in, this, in these communities that have built eSports up to what it is or have built up the gaming industry to what it is now, at some point they were chastised. At some point they were called nerds. And they literally were building these communities and building these platforms, uh, you know, even in the early stages without any support. Because despite what people know right now who aren't associated with this community, eSports has actually been going on for well over two decades you know, even in the nineties. Right. And so people have been spending a long time building up this, these, these industries. And so it's so important that if anyone is trying to get involved, that they definitely implement and integrate those who are in the community to make sure it's done properly. Um, and, and so that's something that we're starting to see. We are seeing people who are doing that. Uh, we are seeing people that are, are traditional athletes that are streaming, um, and then we're also seeing some companies, you know, we just saw NASCAR put on a, um, a, a iRacing with actual pro racers. And even though they got to improve in that, um, it's still something that is, has done tremendous. Um, I have actually interviewed the, the managing d- uh, director for gaming, uh, um, the managing of, manager of gaming for NASCAR and just talking to him about it and just seeing how everyone's just figuring it out on the fly. Um, so you're going to be seeing a lot of that. You're, just, you're literally going to be see people from the traditional sports side just figure it out on the fly, but you're going to see a lot of people on the esports and gaming side who they're like, oh, we can easily adjust. This is not hard to do. Um, and so esports competitions are now going all online, um, and if they got canceled, then they're still – orgs are still finding ways to still have content to uh, have their fans be appeased and just have people in the gaming esports world just – consistently stick together and and still have content to
0: consume now you mentioned uh earlier in the in the the conversation about making sure you get the right people involved when it comes to these pro leagues especially when it comes to esports and like with any culture there's always the opportunity for like posers to come in and like people who aren't Mm -hmm. necessarily like know what they're talking about like you know people are just kind of faking the funk because this is the hottest thing in town and in most cases the only show in town um What's the experience like for people who try to get into the game and aren't necessarily well-equipped or prepared uh, for, you know, the actual culture of esports? Like, are they, like, chastised? Like, you know, how with hip-hop, if you come in and you don't have those, you know, you really don't have the credibility, you almost found out immediately and almost ostracized. Is it the same way in esports, or are they a little bit more welcoming?
1: and gaming are welcoming it's just a matter of you being transparent um you coming in and and this is the thing the the industry as a whole is still growing and still needs diverse perspectives we're starting to see how people from the traditional business side are starting to come over into esports right now you know we see people like johanna Ferries, who's the commissioner for the call of duty league she was doing a lot of work for the nfl prior. Um, and, and you see these people crossing over, but it's so important that even if you come to the community, that you let it be known like what you know and what you don't know. And if you're very upfront with that, the community is so embracive. Uh, like I said, honestly, my experience within gaming and esports has been way better than when I worked in music. Um, <clears throat> you know, I had. Uh, it was crazy because like even when we have conversations about hip-hop and music and just even the behind the scenes stuff you know when I when when my friends and I for on a grassroots podcast when we talk about it you know there've been people that are like oh you're a woman you can't talk on hip-hop you know not even knowing that like I've worked in the industry right, right. Uh, but with eSports and gaming just having that transparency and saying you know I am a gamer I, I do XY and Z but I don't know about this. They don't chastise you for that. The problem is when you come in and you assume you know everything and you try to run everything yourself without having actual experiences, that's when the problem happens. And that's when the community will call you out on it. I have to say, the esports and gaming community are very welcoming, but they will put you on blast <laughs> if, if they
0: need to like with any cultures because i guess yeah. you got to be you got to be protective of what you built, man i mean yeah. i totally understand why some people would have to be called down on that type of shit because if it was anything whether it's hip-hop sports wrestling uh esports anything you know if you've built up a culture you got to be protective of it um you've worked in the nba 2k league before and it had his inaugural season, I think, two seasons ago. Going to his third season now, um, and the NBA has been a you know a huge part of making uh, that eSports League, you know, not just, you know, viable, but, you know, they're almost treated like pro athletes. They have endorsements. They have, Mm -hmm. you know, they have the ability to get into the the pro facilities. So, like, if you play for Knicks Gaming, you know, you can get into the Garden. If you play for the Lakers Gaming team, you could get into Staples Center and work out. So what have been your experiences with the NBA 2K League and and the way that they've handled uh, this current situation in the world?
1: So with the NBA 2K League, um, it's interesting because it's been great to see the growth and the progress of it. Um, I'm curious to see how or if they're even able to integrate professional athletes um, in because I know with like uh, the CBA and and, and just stuff like that um, and the the MBPA, I, I know it can make it very difficult. So I'm curious to see how. It, it's weird because the NBA 2K League and how it functions, although they are NBA personnel that work with the NBA 2K League, it, they work separately. It's like the same thing that we see with the NBA and the WNBA. It's like they're associated, uh, but there's still like a disconnect. Um, I'm wondering if during this time that disconnect will be improved. I'm wondering if they will start to find ways to integrate some of the pro players into the space. Uh, but but I don't I don't know. Right. I think this is such a inter- it's a weird, and interesting time because certain things that were put into place before may not be put into place now. I mean, look, you're seeing NASCAR that's putting up virtual iRacing on Fox Sports, uh, in the network itself. So um, with that, they've been doing a great job by progressing. Progressively growing and building it out. They just added their first non NBA team with Gen G. Um, you know, how NBA 2K League set up is that they were building it so that every uh, traditional NBA team will have their own. NBA 2K league team. Uh, Genji was just added as a quote unquote international um, as well as a non NBA team. And they have, Genji has such an influence within South Korea as well as the Asia market, uh, which makes sense because the NBA 2K video game itself uh, has, a, has, a, has a component that's very popular over there, especially in China. Uh, with everyone playing, you know, that makes sense. So uh, the NBA 2K League, I I, I think, you know, just from what I've seen, they're adjusting. The individual teams are starting to put out content themselves. They're streaming. Um, I think that they're doing well in terms of, like, what they can do right now and adjust. I feel like they could do more, though, personally. Um, But they're they're adjusting just like everyone else. And then now with the conflict of the NBA not having their season, You know, is that an opportunity for the NBA 2K League to provide content for the NBA? You know, we see the Phoenix Suns that took it upon themselves to finish the rest of their season with playing NBA 2K. So it's really interesting. I think right now it's just watching and seeing how everyone can can creatively build content and and watching people like the NBA 2K League or just traditional sports are adjusting to this time. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, how well they're able to do that transition.
0: Now, uh, with Cheddar Sports, uh, well, Cheddar Esports rather, uh, you've ha- got the opportunity to talk to a lot of incredible talent people like Jay Ferrara, guys like Offset from the Migos, um, Ray J, uh, Truth from the WWE. Right now, what do you think there are uh, a lot of these celebrities' thoughts on esports and how they want to get themselves implemented, uh, especially now when uh, everyone's kind of have a, a whole lot of downtime on their hands.
1: So the the so okay so when it comes to the celebrities, it ranges right. There are some that have been following esports for a long time and are, are super knowledgeable about esports, and there's some who aren't quite but have been gamers all their lives and want to get involved. And then there are some people who are just silent investors. You know, even Jennifer Lopez is a silent inve- is, a, is an investor, but you know, I don't know how much she's she's a gamer, but at least she's investing in the space. Um, then you see people like Offset, like you mentioned. Um, offset is, is an investor in face gland, but he's very active in terms of streaming on caffeine, um, and just in, engaging in this space. Um, and then also like even people like Jerry Ferrara, you know, with his involvement in the NBA 2K league, and then just the fact that he just streams in general. So it's a different range. And I think that, um, people, the, these celebrities are really interested in this space and they are actively getting involved. Some more recent, some who have been for a long time. Uh, but what I do like is that they are getting involved with organizations and companies that are knowledgeable about this space or who have the the platform to help them showcase their passionate interest in, in gaming. Um, so I think that's really cool to see. And, you know, I think it's really cool too because it's these celebrities are, are helping to change the perspective of gaming and to help change the perspective of esports in the sense of helping it become even more mainstream and getting the exposure and getting the attention of, of traditional media and some of these bigger platforms that weren't paying attention before. So we're starting to see that, um, and we're starting to see just the various different ways that <clears throat> celebrities are, are are getting involved or or building their content themselves. Uh, but the more the most important thing is, I just like how they're they are connecting with people who know about this industry or they're just streaming themselves playing video games, which is fine. And and I think that's cool, too.
0: Um, you know, right now, uh, I'd like you to look into your crystal ball or put on your magic hat or whatever. Say, you know, this coronavirus uh runs its course and the world starts to kind of like get back to some sort of normalcy in the next few months. Where do you think the world of esports kind of goes from there? Do you think it's going to be an even bigger boom? Are people going to relax on it with with just having the cabin fever of wanting to go back outside and be around people? Like, what do you think? Think uh, is going to happen with esports once you know uh, this kind of virus runs its course.
1: So, if the virus runs its course and you know more on the more on the positive spectrum of things, if it ends you know sooner than later, a lot of the esports organizations and events are going to be planned again. I mean, some of them have already been rescheduled, some have been canceled, suspended, but I think that. The, this industry is one of those industries that is still very social and still going. Uh, I think that, especially when it comes to self-quarantine, um, the, this community is one of the communities that has easily adjusted to the fact that we're not socializing online. I mean, that's been happening with, with people socializing via Twitch, um, utilizing the platform Discord uh, and, and or YouTube or Mixer or just anything like that. I think that, like, once, you know, hopefully the vaccine comes out soon or, or just the, the the transmission rate goes down and just everything, you know, on the positive side, uh, I think that later on the events are going to start coming up. Of course, everyone's going to still be cautious. And, and of course, that, you know, they're going to make sure that these events happen when when it's the appropriate time. But I think esports is going to go back to doing these events um, I don't know how often because we're getting hit in such a big economic way. Uh, But I think that slowly it's going to progress where we're going to see these events happening. And even if they don't happen on a big level, you're going to see it on a smaller level. Because, like I said, esports is one of those industries that's still moving. It's still thriving. And quite frankly, it's the only sport that's still going. And, yes, I said sport. It is a sport in my eyes (laughs) of how competitive it is. And how much training and precision it takes to be the best in it. So, uh, so yeah, I, I think that, that's where we'll see things go with this industry.
0: All right, Aaron. I played in the NBA 2K Showcase League. I helped win it. I could t- tell myself I was the MVP of that game with Brian Scalabrini and Adam the First and all those guys. So I want to become a professional eSports gamer. How do I do it?
1: Ooh, all right. Uh, so it's funny that you say that. Because there's no set path to pro yet. Uh, Esports is starting to develop that. So what we're starting to see is, like, for example, right, Uh, there there are the professional esports organizations. And these esports organizations work or, excuse me, they have teams within certain competitions. Um, They can have it in League of Legends. They can have it in a game called Overwatch or Call of Duty um, or they can have it within um, uh, just other titles, right? Traditional sports, esports is a little bit different because the leagues typically run that. But when it comes to the other games um, for the other publishers, uh, like you know Riot Games and etc., um, they you have these top teams like the like like uh, 100 Thieves, Faze Clan, G two, T one. You know, there's these big organizations that have their specific teams for, for each competitive scene. It's kind of like, um, I don't know, like, let's just, like, it's kind of like if the NBA wasn't eSports. Well, I don't know if that will work. Well, I guess that's the closest I can do. It's kind of <laughs> like, uh, no, 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 okay, okay. You know how, like, MSG owns all these different subsidiaries under it?
0: Yes. They, they just okay. sold the forum to, uh, uh, what's the guy's name that owns the Clippers? Uh, you know the guy, the crazy dude. He used to own Microsoft. Um, yep. yeah, they just, they sold that off. Okay.
1: Yeah. So let's just, so if, if MSG, right. So they have all these subsidiaries under them that do different things, whether it's media, business, etc. that's kind of similar to how esports orgs are. You have the main company and then you have quote unquote, these subsidiaries, which are just the teens under, they sign streamers and just, etc. Um, and so with that, you know, these these organizations are, um, they, they they they. I'm trying. To, sorry, I'm trying to figure out how to translate it in the way that like non esports people can understand. Right. Basically, like if, if MSG or even like let's just say the NBA, right? The NBA has different teams in different markets, but they compete in basketball. Just imagine if the NBA. It had different teams that not only competed in the in basketball but also competed in like Major League baseball and NFL
0: yeah kind of
1: like yeah so that's kind of like how these eSports organizations are set up and, and how they compete and each league has as different like standards and, and different areas like call of duty you know as a lot of teams that are predominantly within the uh, the US but then you got you know, League of Legends. You know, the LCS and the LEC, which is how that split up. And one of the divisions is um, the within Europe and, and overseas, and another one's here in the US, and, and more pro- predominantly over or uh, on this side. Um, and so, it, it, the esports organizations are, or excuse me, the esports competitive scenes are are split up and have different you know, nuances, rules and regulations. But one thing we are seeing is the implementation of Home and Away and uh, city-based franchise systems with esports leagues. We're seeing out the Overwatch League. Uh, we're seeing a Call of Duty. But that's, like, for predominantly, like, the competitive scene, more so here. Um, but it's, it's, it's unique, right? Like, I could literally go on and on and on. Like, just esports and how it's structured is so different. Like, how the FGC, which is the fighting game community – so that's, like, the competitive scene for Tekken and Street Fighter. That is set up differently than, you know, playing a game called Dota 2 or playing League of Legends or even playing Overwatch. Um, that's the cool thing about esports. But then also that's just kind of like the – it makes it harder for people who aren't in, uh, who aren't in the scene, like, understand exactly what's going on. Uh, but there are similarities in terms of structuring that we see in this space that, like, are similar to uh, traditional sports. Um and more of that's gonna probably be implemented as it grows in, in, in certain leagues and then certainly it's it's not. So um I feel like I
0: gone way off away from the core. <laughs> no, no, no. This is all extremely informative because you know, just as somebody who's been a fan of of esports and really into video games, especially like two K League and and NBA two K. I mean, like the business side of all this is extremely fascinating, and you always kind of felt like you were hearing rumblings of it. And you said, you know, obviously it's it's nothing new. The two, you know, esports has been around for almost twenty years now, but now where it's just kind of like this is the only game in town you know the the economics of it especially where we really don't know where the economics of live sports is going to be in the next couple of months is extremely fascinating so I mean like I definitely want to know um, you know before we wrap this up uh, just personally, man, like your your career has taken so many turns and twists as far as being a content creator and interviewer and just being in media. Um, what's next on your list, man? Which box are you trying to check off next?
1: Oh man, uh, I think. Well, I think the biggest box I got checked off recently that is helping me with getting the additional ones is obviously being signed to CAA um, big props to my agents and the team over there. They've been helping me a lot with, uh, some cu- so, with uh, securing some really great opportunities. Um, but now I think that I, I want to, I want to be able to host a show on uh, traditional TV, especially when it comes to eSports and gaming. I think that's something that I, that would be a next step for me. Um, and, and, and when I say that, you know, of course, e- uh, Cheddar eSports, we are on cable TV Um, But I but I want to be able to host on like, you know, ESPN or Fox, like one of those main networks. And so that's a goal for me. Um, I think another goal for me, too, is um, I want to start to build um, programs that help give back to the communities, um, especially low income areas and, and the youth within New York City. I've been, um, you know, my my, uh, business partner and I, Brandon Hall, we we helped to put on a gaming event along with our partners, Minorities in Sports 368. And we put it on a gaming event with Nate Robinson and we had a few other, you know, Aerial Powers. We had... Uh, Ron Killings, a.k.a. R-Truth, that came through, uh, ASAP 12E, e and a few others. Uh, but the biggest, you know, and that was more to just bring the communities of, of music and sports and gaming together. But more importantly, it was, it was meant for us to bring everyone that we know in the community and, and even in esports um, to talk about, you know, the fact that we want to put on these, uh, develop these programs to create opportunities for the youth within New York City area. And so that's something that I want to do once everything starts to settle down a lot more is utilize relationships, utilize uh, gaming utilize uh, just the STEM aspect of it, or or game devs aspect to help create opportunities and help people learn um, and build important skill sets that they can potentially take anywhere else, or they or they may want to take into gaming. Um, I think another thing too is just me putting out content and just growing, growing my brand and and and, and utilizing my brand to give back. You know that goes full circle back to why. I opened up more about me personally and, and having that representation is for the purpose of helping others. Um, that's always been my, my thing. I always am constantly trying to find ways to help people, uh, whether it's helping college kids and, and what they should, uh, uh, what, what things they should do in terms of their resume to come in this space or content creators and giving out some suggestions and ideas via social media. I'm always trying to figure out how to give back and help. And, you know, that's also why I, moved away from being a producer and being behind the scenes and being in front in, in front of camera. Cause I realized that, you know, being able to have that focus and having that attention, um, because I'm in front of the camera is allowed me to optimize the the good causes that I want to be involved with and, or help grow in some capacity. Uh, so those are just some of the, the, the milestones that I'm, I want to have next. And, um, you know, and, and even though some of them I'm Probably not gonna be able to achieve right now just with self quarantine. Uh, I'm still gonna utilize everything that I have right now and my resources to to help to educate people within this to help educate people when it comes to this space, as well as helping people just in in general wherever I can.
0: Well, erin it was awesome talking to you, man. You can catch her on uh, Cheddar Esports. You can catch her on the Grassroots Podcast, Aaron Ashley Simon. An incredible human being, an incredible talent. I hope you guys learned as much of the esports and the business behind it as I have. Aaron, thank you so much for coming to Say Less, and stay blessed.
1: Thank you so much for having me on. Let's continue to uplift one another and continue to keep
0: going. Please, absolutely. And I'm serious about getting me in the 2K League, man. I'm trying to go pro, trying to get this money.
1: (laughs) I got you, I got you. I'll be your number one supporter.
0: (laughs) I appreciate you, man. Take it easy and be safe, okay? Wash your hands. Oh, you too. We'll do. <laughs>
1: Bye-bye. Bye.
0: And that's a wrap on the show. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Kazim. That's K-A-Z-E-E-M. And you can follow the page on Twitter, Say Less with Kaz. That's S-A-Y-L-E-S-S-W-I-T-H-K-A-Z. Thank you so much. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, SoundCloud, all those places. Appreciate y'all listening. Leave a nice review. Maybe a comment if it's nice enough, and i catch you next week or next day or however long we're doing this shit, but stay blessed.